Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You are listening to Integrate Yourself Podcast with Allison Pillow. And you can find me and my services and my offerings and all the podcasts at pureenergypdx.com. So this is our first episode interviewing Jator Pierre. And the episode, unfortunately, uh, we experienced technical difficulties while recording this episode. Um, at the time, we did not know we were going to have, we had this feedback that was coming in. And so, uh, unfortunately, the episode does have some feedback, but it's a great episode. Um, Jator is a wonderful uh, person to talk to and to interview. So he provides so much great information. And his story is is really amazing too. So I hope you tune in and I hope the interference with the sound is not too distracting and it and that you're able to still enjoy the show. So thanks for tuning in. It would be fantastic if you would subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And we would love it if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcast and a five-star rating would be actually pretty nice. So uh, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcast and go to Ratings and Reviews and leave us a nice review. Also, if you'd like to share it with your friends and family, that would be awesome too. And we thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to get into the show. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background um, on Jator first. Jator is owner of Water and Earth Holistic Lifestyle Coaching, and he has been in the practice of transforming lives since 1999, using a vast toolbox of modalities to bring about lasting change in his clients. His work primarily focuses on emotional trauma, autoimmune issues, digestive orders, chronic stress, and chronic pain. He is passionate about seeing the bigger picture and how that trickles down to the underlying mechanisms which lead to pathology, disease, and symptoms. His purpose is to help people examine and understand not only how the body functions, but how each physical symptom correlates to and is expressive of underlying mental, emotional, and behavioral patterns. Jator works globally through Skype and in person, and his clientele is usually those seeking for answers after working with many other healthcare uh, professionals. Jator resides in Copenhagen, Denmark, with his many parts of self. All right, so that's that's who Jator is, and so I hope you enjoy the show. So without further ado, I am... I'm introducing you to Jator Pierre, everybody. Enjoy. Thanks for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. I don't know what you just said, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's what you, it's what you wanted me to say, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've already stepped into journeys of wisdom in some ways, right? But I wanted you. I taught you what to say. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. ahead. So, Jator. It's the seductive powers I have. Right. That's right. Jator, (laughs) one of my questions is, is how often you get to play hockey now? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I play hockey four to seven times a week. Wow. You're still pretty active in that. Wow. 
Yeah, I played hockey yesterday twice. Uh, and um, I play hockey as often as possible. And in my experience of life, um, for me, hockey is, I would, let's put it this way. If the universe gifted me with the inability to play hockey, I would have a very hard time navigating life. It would be a, a very challenging um, dive into myself to see how much self-identification I have with hockey and what it means for me and how much emotional need gets met through playing hockey, for sure. So what position, because I'm not as familiar with hockey, but I was wondering what, what position are you in the, in the game itself? And then what happened to you with hockey that made it such a passion? Were you trying to go pro when you were younger? Did you just feel that some part of you got exposed to how you know you felt and what it felt like to be on the ice? Can you give us a little story about where that all started for you? I got all kinds of stories. Um, yeah, so I played defense. And uh, did I start as a defenseman? I'm not sure if I started as a defenseman, but I ended up playing defense. and. Um, yeah, I have the kind of the typical story of wanting to go pro. I played junior hockey, which is a high level of hockey. Uh, I played in college. And yeah, I had a, a dreams to go pro. Um, but however, looking back into my life, where hockey really came from, uh, for me is, there was a moment in my life where I came home with, I think it was all D's and an F. And um, I remember being at home and I was in my room, and my, you know, I got this horrible uh, report card. And my parents are out in the living room chatting. And uh, from the hallway, I can see down the hallway, and I can see my dad's leg slung over the, the rocking chair. And he's kind of rocking back and forth. And then to the right is my mom, and she's sitting on the couch. And I'm you know, 12 years old, down, or 11 years old, down this hallway. And I'm watching this interaction happen between my parents. And I knew that I just came home probably the first time ever having a bad report card. And so I'm watching their body language. And immediately, for whatever reason, I knew that I was about to get beat. And I mean literally beat. So I was looking around my room. And I was thinking, what, what could I do to protect myself? And what did I have on the floor was all my hockey equipment. So I put on all my hockey equipment, um, shin guards, my pants, my shoulder pads, uh, elbow pads, gloves, helmet, to prepare for what I knew was, <laughs> was about to come. And, um, you know, to make a long story semi-short, um, once that kind of took place and I did get the beating of my life, I think from that moment on, I've always associated hockey with uh, protecting me. Uh, so the equipment protected me. Um, on the ice, I've always felt safe and secure. Um, uh, all of the equipment protected me. That moment with my dad and my mom, I felt protected by this equipment. So I've always associated hockey, I think, from an unconscious perspective, as somewhere that I feel very safe, secure, and accepted. And um, it was a sport, as a metaphor, uh, that always accepted me for me. It didn't care about my grades. It didn't care about um, 
what I look like, didn't care about any of the any of the things that you know, in my perspective, my parents needed for me from uh, to get their emotional needs met. Uh, hockey was all mine, and it was a place where I felt really, really safe. So I think from an unconscious, subconscious perspective, I still play hockey to this day because it represents a lot of safety and security and, and a place where I really get to connect and be with myself. Yeah, you mentioned something about uh, it being a meditative flow for you on your website, which we've, uh, we've already talked a little bit about, but in terms of what you feel, could you say it's similar to like surfing or someone where you're on, you know, kind of, you're on a frozen platform of water, but this is, you know, can be a, still a dance that you kind of play and work on and kind of explore different ways to move on that um, frozen ice. So do you think that that kind of also is the part that brings you into a more calming state and kind of helps mm. you remember that of safety? Yeah. Yeah, there's something about um, the feeling of being on the ice. There's um, uh, once you become a, a skilled hockey player, there's a, a level of uh, smoothness that you feel when you're skating. Uh, frictionless comes up. Um, you're you're very hot, and um, you're very hot, but you're also in this very cool environment. So you're being cooled off by this cool air. So that's kind of a interesting metaphor of uh, for me of you know dealing with the anger around what happened to me as a kid and having a safe place to cool off and express myself. Um, and then the, I think the, the surface and um, the frictionless surface and also the safety of hockey is pretty interesting because, because it's a frictionless surface, it actually has a really low incidence of injury. Even though you see, um, you know, some of the hits in hockey are actually much harder than football hits. However, because of the surface and because of the environment, there's a lot less injury. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so there's, um, you know, I definitely have an association with hockey being a place where it's fast, uh, it's reactive, um, and I'm good. So being really <laughs> good at something makes you feel is, really good. Yeah, it's awesome, right? I can. It's like, I, you know, when I come on and do a podcast, right, or I do a video, or I do something. There's always this part of me that's nervous or scared, or am I going to be enough, or am I going to do it right? Are they going to like me? Or how are they going to receive me? All of this chatter that goes on. When I go play hockey, none of that's there. That's because awesome. Yeah. I have a, a very high level of confidence in my game, and it's always been supportive to me, and I've worked very hard and practiced hours upon hours upon hours to, to have a level of skill that imbues this confidence and I'm not saying arrogance but it's this confidence of I'm safe here I'm good here I can have fun here uh, and I know this game inside and out so I don't know that I have that anywhere else in life to be honest that's really interesting yeah so, so you're a Buddha on ice and and when you get to <laughs> <laughs> when you get there and you get that do you also come out with the the, the brawls I mean most of the time we see some of those uh, you know 
punches are coming from left, right, you know, undercuts, uppercuts, you know. So um, you kind of get the boxing part into you too. So how does that kind of play there with you? Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, when I was younger, um, that aspect of hockey, uh, the, hit, the hitting aspect and also the fighting aspect uh, was very um, salivating to me, uh, to the parts of me. I really enjoyed that. Um, hockey gave me an outlet to express uh, unresolved anger that I had around my childhood, and it was a safe place to do that. I don't know how safe it was for other people. However, it, it felt like a safe place for me. Um, but through the years now playing hockey, um, you know, kind of on the, the back end of super competitive hockey, um, I, don't, I don't fight. I don't do any of that. Not because, um, not because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be honest, there's a part of me at times where I'm on the ice and something happens and I can feel that kind of old me kind of spark up and, okay, like, this is going to go down. Um, but that doesn't feel purposeful to, like, who I experience myself to be today. Right. And um, it's not really how I want to express my anger is through my fist or through violence. Um is there a part of me that wants to engage in that? For sure. And I acknowledge that part. However, there's another part of me that is really is softer. So as you guys both been to journeys and, you know, we are kind of reflecting on these things there. Um, this softer piece is more like, okay, something happens on the ice, right? So let's say something high sticks me in the face. Now, I can have my immediate reaction, which would normally be <laughs> opposite teammates. We're, we're going to go at it. Yeah. But my kind of reaction slash response currently is, okay, you know, did that person do it on purpose? Was it an accident? Uh, were they trying to hurt me? Kind of bringing all of that perspective into the game. Uh, to help kind of just soothe that and kind of <clears throat> understand that another person may have just done that purely as an accident and that it wasn't meant to hurt me. Whereas in the past, it was irrelevant whether they meant to hurt me or not. Right. I think that can be so, that's such a good point to be made because that teaches you, uh, creates like a practice of expressing anger or knowing how to express it. Because you really, I mean, I think everybody um, falls into that during their day. Like with traffic, somebody cuts you off. <laughs> you can react a certain way, you know, or you could just say, hey, maybe the person didn't see me. You know, so it's a, that's a really good point to be made. I think that could apply to for everybody and for pretty much every situation you have during your day. I would agree. <clears throat> and I think um, for me, from a, a hockey perspective, like bringing that kind of perspective into the arena of hockey, which is like this warrior sport, right? Um, I think it's been really helpful for me to navigate those daily reactions that you just gave voice to, even in emotional charged, you know, intimate situations, etc. Because if I can bring that awareness into a state where, like, literally, my physical body is in 
is threatened or someone is trying to fight me, literally, if I can bring that type of awareness into that environment, then I can bring that, that awareness into any environment. And as a story, it was about six months ago, I was playing hockey, and there was a father and his two sons out playing. And the father and son, uh, they weren't that good, but one of their sons was pretty good, and he was on the other team. So we were going at it the whole game, challenging each other, pushing each other, and I really love that. I love to be pushed and challenged. And I was taking a slap shot, and the son skated up to block my slap shot, and I took the slap shot, and I broke his ankle. Oh, yes. Which was a pure, <laughs> yeah. pure accident. Right. Yeah, yeah. However, to bring it back kind of full circle to this, you know, what we've been talking about is the son got off the ice and then the, the other father and the brother came at me, yelling, oh, wow. screaming, uh, with their sticks up, wanting to fight me. Mm. And the old me <laughs> just jumped into that. Mm. Uh, the new me took a step back when that was all happening, even as they were coming towards me, and just kept a very calm energy about myself. And then when they got face to face, like the, the chance of them actually hitting me with a hockey stick is pretty low. They have to be pretty out there to do that. So I just held this calm energy. And then they came up and were yelling and screaming. And I basically said, look, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. I'll happily apologize to him if he's hurt because that was not my intent. Right. And him and I were going at it and challenging each other. And the father was like, well, you were mad because he was giving you a run for your money. I said, I wasn't upset that he was giving you a run for his money. I was super excited to have someone else on the ice that was giving me a run for my money so I could push myself. Mm. And I wasn't trying to hurt him. I, we were playing. And... The one who broke his ankle actually understood it. Ah. And then he eventually yeah. kind of bled that into his dad and the other brother. And now, fast forward six months later, which took some time, now we're all friends. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But that would have never happened <laughs> if I would have just dropped my gloves and tried to fight a brother and a dad. And, and, and for me, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not... It's, yeah, I'm not there to take my anger out on the world. Mm. I'm there to have fun and play and learn healthy ways to express my anger. That's an honoring of self, which is pretty um, big, uh, big in terms of life, in terms of how you're going to live it. And um, and I, I can see where that passion has it has to come up from within you and then another part mm -hmm. of you has to be able to let it out and then you know as ripples will uh, affect other people that comes back to you and then the way that you mm -hmm. kind of ele ele elevated it into this acceptance instead of saying oh i'm shameful of it that ripple mm -hmm. has actually pushed you above the, the surf to keep you kind mm -hmm. of seeing how wonderful life is to be constantly challenged so how do you kind of help the uh, your clients get that momentum? Um, you talked about having a, a bi-monthly um, uh, coaching calls that you're doing, and uh, you actually have one tonight. Um, but what would you what would you what do you think happens in these coaching calls to help them 
kind of step into a little bit of that story and have their own revelations like that. Because I, I want to just quickly say, I think it's an issue for men because I feel like one of the only things that has been acceptable uh, for men to express is anger. And so I think it's important. Your job is super important to help people know how to express that healthy, in my opinion. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, that's the thought that came to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. Because I live with all guys, so I, I'm very close to this kind of energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <clears throat> um, so I feel like part of my purpose, whether it's true or not, or just some delusional story that I make up to give myself some sense of purpose, is kind of to show... Um, and express to the world what it looks like to be an alpha male who lifts weights, who has muscles, um, who does all that testosterone stuff. However, who's also in touch with his emotions, able to express them, uh, able to respond at times rather than react. Um, and uh, in terms of uh, Maya's question or statement slash open-ended, question which I really appreciate is you know uh, with my clients one thing that I, I personally uh, I don't want to say never but I do my best to almost never do uh, is to push any agenda so uh, whether they have the revelation of finding awareness and some level of responsiveness in situations um, for me, interestingly enough, is kind of irrelevant. For me, what my purpose is as a coach is to literally have space where I can connect with them, they can connect with me, and that they're free to share whatever their perspective is or whatever their way of navigating life is or whatever their hardships are or their joys are or their struggles are or their shame is or their fears are. And to, um, at times, use myself or my stories or my experiences of life as another perspective in terms of how someone else on the planet navigates life and not that my way is the right way. And through that kind of storytelling from both of our perspectives, they're sharing stories, I'm sharing stories, um, they're going to have the level of revelation that's appropriate for them. And that level of, of um, revelation might be the opposite of mine. And what I mean by that is, let's say I was coaching a hockey player, and let's say this hockey player uh, was very violent on the ice. And let's also say that this hockey player, um, part of his, let's say he was a pro, part of his pay was based on his level of violence, right? His level to hit, his level to fight, on his level to control the game. So let's just say that that is a metaphor. And we're coaching, as we find the roots of where that comes from for him, he may have, he may get to a place where he has to understand the consequences of being that style of player and the consequences of not being that style of player. And the consequences of being that violent player may actually serve him where he's at in his life rather than taking on what serves me at this moment in my life, which is to not be that style of player. So in my earlier days, uh, the violence aspect of hockey was 
uh, was what drew me to it. And in fights, etc., I would black out. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you most fights that I've ever been in because just so much rage blacked out. That may actually serve this person and where they're at. So I don't really see it as my job to change that perspective. I see it as my job to bring awareness to what's the consequences of, of doing that. And I don't know if I answered anything there, but it was fun to talk about. <laughs> what I heard was that you honor where they are first yeah. and then help them recognize that they're in the right place and that they're just going to look at what we call, as the language of JOW, the benefits of consequences, and help them find if it's serving them now. And if it is, that's exactly where they need to be. Is that what you were kind of saying? Yeah, I love that. I, I've seen the biggest revelations in my practice come from what you just shared. It's okay doing exactly what you're doing. Right, yeah. It is, yeah. No judgment either. Like I feel like for me as a coach, that's much more uh, of a relief, I guess. And when you're working with someone, it, I think when you have the judgment or you want to change them to be like where you are, for example, it's a lot of pressure. And a lot, I, I never found that that actually works. Um, so, <laughs> not one time. Well, you, you, you emphasize on your, um, on your website that you're not a guru, you're not a, um, a, per, a, you know, a leader of the, of the people kind of thing. You kind of bring in uh, your own statement of saying you are human still and that you're not, a, you know, caught up in the title of a personal trainer, functional medicine doctor, or a life coach. So, you know, the titles seem to not matter to you, which is kind of a free way of, um, uh, of opening yourself up to whatever is going to happen, the mystery of life. Um, how do you uh, introduce yourself to people when they know nothing about you? Could you tell us a little bit about how that comes across? Wow, what a question. Um, so how do I introduce myself to people? Um, well, um, I think I honestly introduce myself to people by asking questions about them. Mm. <laughs> um, so, you know, with the idea of titles, etc., cetera, uh, I think as a kind of an underlevel of that, one reason why I don't like titles um, and whatever titles represent to me, names and symbols after people's names, including my own, is my experience is that we immediately associate something with those symbols. Uh, I'm an MD. So we immediately have an association with that person and what that represents to us. Um, and I notice that when I'm in an environment where I'm sharing or teaching, if I know the names and symbols behind people's names, uh, I notice that this part of me starts to uptake the amount of pressure I put on myself to perform in a certain way. So one way, at least in a kind of a, a teaching environment, um, the way I introduce myself is simply, I invite everyone to introduce themselves, but to introduce themselves through their experiences of what they deem their light sides and what they deem to be their shadow sides. And it's an invitation process. It's not, you have to do this. Um, and what I've noticed through doing that in classes 
is that creates kind of this horizontal plane for everybody because everyone's kind of experience is sharing what they deem to be light and their shadow. So they're getting to be courageous and share fear and shame. Everyone else gets to have the experience of what's being shared and notice that everyone else has a light and a shadow as well. And there's no symbols after people's names which start to pedestal anybody in the room, including myself. So I share my light and shadow too, and I get down and dirty with my light and shadow in front of classes uh, to immediately kind of dissolve as much as I can the pedestaling effect that, that I experienced to happen. And really, for me, why am I doing that? It's because I'm scared. So if I can do that, it actually creates safety and security for me. And it's really irrelevant. Anyone else feels safe and secure. I feel safe and secure by doing that because I don't have then any symbol out there that as I'm teaching or sharing that I associate with the person and immediately have to put on, I feel this need to put on some professional mask or be a certain way or not be detour. If I can see everybody as human beings, including myself, with light and shadows, then we all kind of play in this horizontal plane, which for me opens up a lot more heart connection and feeling rather than pedestaling or competing and comparing, or at least reduces. I like that technique. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> I have experienced that where you, if you can, um, everybody can kind of, you can see yourself and other people, you know, mm. you're like, wow, that, okay. You know, we're all, we're all coming from the same place in a way, you know? So. Yeah. What I've noticed too is that if I'm the teacher, if you see the teacher do that, it immediately, like, it's almost, for most people in my experience, it's very soothing to the entire class. Because some, they walk into a class and whatever, I'm check this and got that and blah, blah, blah. They're immediately projecting all of this, whatever they're projecting onto me. But if I can expose my humanness right away, then it brings us all down to the same level. And then the classes are more of these, um, sharing, experiencing, uh, and understanding that everyone in the room is a teacher. Every single person has their own experiences. And for me, this is all a, a subjective reality. So I know nothing more than anyone else. I got a lot of stories that I know more than other people. However, yeah. <laughs> it's just my subjective reality. Yeah, you're just sharing. And it's like, I, I remember when I used to think that going to a class like that, I would sit there, the teacher would be in charge, and I would take in the information, and then, you know, take the information back, you, you know, use it, and I would be, like, so different after I use this information, but, you know, I, I think it's about now, <laughs> it's about the experience, and I agree with that, because, um, and that's really, if I sign up for a class now, that's what I'm signing up for. It's not about the information as, 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 as much as the experience and the energy of the people that are brought together in that moment. That's what it is for me anyway. Amen or a woman, yeah. sister? A woman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, Jator, um, 
what's going to what's going to happen for you in about a year to five years? What are you What are you looking for? What do you want to uh, go for? I love the 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 illusion of control question. What am I going to go for? <laughs> uh, so I was listening to this um this uh I'm going to completely tear this apart and you know not remember it exactly the way I said. So that was that's fine. fine. So. <laughs> Um, we love that. <laughs> so apologies to James Hollis and Carl Jung because I'm making shit up. Um, so listening to this James Hollis talk, uh, which I experienced James Hollis to be a pretty deep cat, and uh, right he was talking about he was talking about Carl Jung, and um, he was saying that during you know Carl's time of doing whatever he was doing. Uh, and searching the inner realms of us uh, and himself, Carl went in and, and went to some like traditional tribes. And in those traditional tribes, he talked to the wise elders. And in these circles of wise elders, as they were having these kind of deep, kind of philosophical psychology um, chats, in all of the places that he went with the wise elders, Basically, what he learned from them was they would share this with him. They would say, essentially, um, you know, Carl, <laughs> uh, we're so fascinated by the Western mind or the white man's mind, myself included. So I'm just saying that as a Western kind of idea. And we're fascinated by that because the way that we experience the Western mind is you're like grasshoppers or locusts who find a field of hay. I don't know what locusts eat, but let's just say they eat hay. They eat anything, I think. Yeah, they, they eat everything. <laughs> they just consume everything. Kind of like my teenage voice. Like, <laughs> That's awesome, Allison. I love that. That's really what happened, actually. Yeah. All right, Artur, we're back on. What, what was it? Sorry. <laughs> That's the best part of the show. Um, so, so the metaphor was, you're like locusts, me included. We're like locusts. We're just consuming and consuming. And once we've eaten the whole field, then all of our heads pop up and we look for what are we going to go to consume next? Yeah. What's next? Um, and in my experience, too, of, of the Czech world, uh, they're they're really and I, I I appreciate the Czech world. They're also really into this idea of the dream, right? What's your dream or what's your goal? What you're doing next? I've been having a lot of fun over the last uh, three or four years because a lot of Czech practitioners or other people in this field ask me that question a lot. Before, what's your dream? What are you going to accomplish? <laughs> and my dream right now is to not have a dream. I like that. So you, dream, you don't have a book in your, in your world? You don't want to write a book? You don't want to do any of that kind of stuff? None of that kind I, of stuff? There's a, there's, a, there's a really interesting word for me uh, in our culture that gets kind of this, like, taboo. And the, the, the word is satisfaction. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I yeah. am yeah. satisfied with where I'm at right now. Like I am, I have a, a business coming in. I have food on my table. I have a roof over my head. I have the ability to play hockey uh, as much as I want. 
I have friends and family and time to spend with them. I can do podcasts like this and get out and get some sun after I'm done with this. I, man, I am, I am in a place, I just turned 40 and... Happy birthday. Happy thank birthday. You. I'm, <laughs> what that means to me is like, I'm, I want to uh, invite all of my little locusts Locuses, loci. Um, to settle I? down. <laughs> to settle down and to enjoy, enjoy exactly where I'm at. Enjoy what I do. Enjoy who I am. Enjoy all the things that I've gone through in schools and classes and courses. And I really only want to show up now. And um, even going to journeys or going to more, you know, mental and emotional stuff, or listening to something like James Hollis, it's really more so from the perspective of, I'm going there to observe myself in those environments. Yeah. Um, so is so it, satisfaction. It, well, that's the thing. Satisfaction, the levels of satisfaction can keep going up and up and up, right? It's not that it's uh, like you could be satisfied, but you could be want to be more satisfied and more satisfied and more satisfied, right? I mean, it never ends. <laughs> but I mean, I think that that for me, that for me is like the, that's a kind of the law of attraction in a way, like not having this end result that you're like obsessing over, but more like you said, is just really being in the moment where you are and really loving how, where you've come and what you've created. So. Yeah, awesome. I, I appreciate that. Um, I don't even know that I'm saying being in the moment because I really don't know what that actually means. Yeah, Yeah. Um, what I am saying is it feels soothing mm. to all the parts of me to sit back and just watch the show for a yeah. second. Like, wow. Wow. I got to go play hockey, right? I don't go to play hockey to go get better at hockey anymore. Right. I go play hockey to play because I love it. Mm. I'm awesome. satisfied. So what I, what I get from this is that it's a, it's a level of integration, which we are actually, um, that's what we started this show about, was to help people find a way to integrate all the things they've collected over the years, whether it's education, whether it's uh, experiences, whether it's emotional uh, changes of who you are and what you've become. There's a place where we all need to come, and in, 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 in sounds that's where you are, is where you're, you're saturated enough that you're not heavy, but you're a light. You're filled with the excitement of life. Mm -hmm. Life has kind of flowing through you. You're flowing out of life. It's that yin and yang kind of space that we're all kind of touching in and out of. I don't know if we ever stay there, but it's a, it's a, mm -hmm. like a time where you can say um, life is good. You know, the simple taglines that we've been growing up with. Um, and, and so that's what I invite uh, most of our listeners to try to remember is, you know, it's not about the race and it's always not about how well you run it. It's about whether or not you even saw what you did. Like, did you even enjoy what you were doing? Um, yeah. So, you know, that kind of, um, I, I really appreciate that you've kind of helped bring back that um, sense of, of beingness, which I call integration. Mm, yeah, I love that. 
Um, simply said, uh, the locust. The locust. <laughs> it's, um, it's, um, you need a t-shirt. So like, it's also this piece of, um, so like, let's say that, let's say there's something that I want to accomplish in my life, uh, currently, even the idea that I, my dream is to not have a dream. That's in a sense, giving me some sense of purpose. So, uh, for me, if I can invite that into as like, it's a perspective but I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I don't know where that's going to lead. So my ego parts have desires uh, that want to create something. But if I can set up the, the platform of a dream or a goal or a purpose without the expectation of the outcome, then it feels so much lighter. Yeah, definitely. So as an example, when I... Um, I was going after <laughs> becoming part of the Czech faculty. When I set that goal, uh, I set it with the, in, with the intention of going after it. But I didn't set it with the intention of that's going to happen, Jator. Because I didn't, I didn't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. But what it did do is like, it gave me drive, motivation, and passion to go after something. That led me down all kinds of different roads and all kinds of different explorations and all kinds of different beauties that I never knew were going to be there until I set that intention. And if I can humble myself to the intention is kind of the direction, but the outcome is source-based or God-based, I'm kind of a man of destiny. So what shows up in my life? is going yeah. to show up and my intention is kind of just where I kind of focus in on what's going to come of that, I have no idea. Well, it sounds like you give a lot of um, uh, examples of how to live in the mystery, whereas life is always a mystery in terms of, you know, if we don't have the expectations and, and, and there's still joy. You know, some people have to have that sense of i can't i can't do something without knowing some kind of secure sense that this is yeah. worth doing and um when you coach with your uh your clients or you uh, even talk to somebody on the street sounds like with that invitation you also invite them to see that that mystery is 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 the main main thing in life like you really want more mystery than you really think because it's the unknown that's so precious mm. Is that, I, is that true for you? I mean, I'm kind of putting a lot of words yeah. there, but. No, no. Um, <laughs> I really enjoy that perspective. Um, it is true for me, for a part of me. I, I love the mystery, parts of me do. And of course, parts of me want control and want outcome and want certain things to go a certain way. And, and that's kind of why I gave voice to you guys when I first got on the phone. When the call, you said, how are you guys doing? Or how are you doing? And I said, doing pretty shitty today. Why am I doing pretty shitty today? Is because I owned the illusion of control about something. And something completely polar opposite showed up in my life. And I'm navigating right now, uh, acknowledging and feeling my feelings about what's going on and allowing those to be present. 
which is really hard to do. I was, I literally was just at the gym and I was working out and in my, in between sets, like I was getting these waves of emotion. Like I, I just wanted to break down and cry, to be honest. And, um, and I was at the gym, so I was like, yeah, it's probably a little inappropriate to break down and cry right here. <laughs> but what I did do was uh, I sat down on a bench and I just, uh, you know, took, took my head down and took some deep breaths. And then internally, what I was saying to myself was, it's okay. It's okay to, to want to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel out of control. Um, you know, what little detours are coming up right now? You're all okay, and I'm not trying to push you away. And I'm not trying to work you away. I'm not trying to work you out so I don't feel you. I want you to know that it's 100% okay to feel what you're feeling. And it's 100% okay to feel scared and to feel out of control. And I want you to know that I'm there for you. And then I did my set again, and then we'd go back and then revisit my feelings. And I'm not doing that to dissipate the feelings. I'm doing it to acknowledge the feeling and to really allow uh, the participant in me to experience what's going on. Because when I put it into the framework of, I don't want just joy in my life. I want the greatest pains and I want the greatest joys. And there, there's like these polar opposites for me. So like, I can't experience the greatest joys unless I allow myself to experience the greatest pains. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I want to numb it out and I want to hide from it. But I feel like at this point in my life, I'd be doing myself a disservice by not allowing my feelings yeah that's beautiful that, yeah. that would that would be a coaching aspect that you would teach right this is the things that you would help other people say honor the feelings honor where you're at these are techniques that you provide for others mm. yeah yeah um so to kind of steal, uh, I like to say J-Dub because I'm from Oakland, so. <laughs> okay. J-Dub? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> she's a hybrid now. She's West Coast, but she's still got Atlanta in her. <laughs> oh, man. I think um, literally uh, from a session this morning, um, my client's going through whatever he's going through. And I said, so if you were hearing your 16-year-old self right now, what would you share with him? And uh, my experience of his words was kind of going into how probably he experienced his mom or dad to parent him. You know, immediately, like, you should change, you're doing it wrong, yada, 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 the whole song and dance, which is cool. I'm like, okay, cool, yeah. And then what we talked about is, okay, can we learn a new language of parenting ourselves? And I said, would you be willing to repeat some words that I'm going to throw out there? I said, yeah, sure. So we threw out some words, but the words were in a language of kind of what I just gave to myself a second ago, which was acknowledging. Um, and I, my perspective on teaching is, 
like in that moment, I could have jumped in and, and kind of pushed my perspective onto my client and said, this is how you should talk to yourself, which would kind of be like the expert model. Uh, for me, I'm big on the collaborative model. So the collaborative model means I'm not there to tell him what to think or do. I'm there to offer. So I said, instead of telling him how you should speak to yourself, I modeled how I speak to myself. And then he gets to repeat the words, whether he goes verbatim with me or he picks his own words, which he did pick his own words. The energy that was held with those words and the vibration that was held within those words was much different than the words that he was initially sharing with himself. At least in my perspective, it was. And that's kind of how I teach is by asking questions and then offering story and then allowing clients to learn to teach themselves through their self counsel because they're not going to hear, hear it from me anyways. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. not going to hear it anyway. <laughs> so I can learn the right questions or like model it and they can hear themselves do it and watch themselves do it. Yeah. They're, they're counseling themselves. Don't you find it so fast? Oh, sorry, Allison. Go ahead. Okay. I just wanted I would just wanted you to expand on that quick because I don't know not everybody knows what you're what you're talking about when you say they're not gonna hear you. Oh. Like maybe <laughs> say a little thing, thing about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it's a it's a fascinating moment when you're in it, that knowledge that no, it doesn't matter what you're saying. They're this yeah. is their story and they're gonna stick with it. So yes, please tell us what <laughs> Oh, she has a brand new line. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You can make anything. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. <laughs> I love laughing. This is awesome, man. Thank you, guys. I really needed this today. Um, okay, so for me, there's a couple of um, aspects of that. So um, one aspect which um, might twist people's brains and hearts up a bit is that literally the words that I'm speaking, you're not actually hearing my literal words. You're hearing your experience of my words and what you associate with each word, which creates your experience and your story and what you make what I say mean. That's one piece. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> what? Whatever okay. symbolizes for that person. <laughs> So, yeah. so there's that piece, right? So you're essentially, if we all kind of imagine ourselves as like um, walking projectors and walking interpreter interpreters, that's how we navigate life. We interpret and then we project. Right. Or we project, interpret our projections, and then we move. Okay, so you have that piece. And then in my experience, because most clients project some level of... Um, metaphoric parent onto us as coaches, it's a really interesting for me paradox. The uh, clients that are extremely, <clears throat> excuse me, compliant will hold the uh, perception that they understand what you're talking about and then kind of parrot your words back to you. But there's very little, if you're as a coach, there's very little vibration or feeling that they it's actually landing. Right. They're, they're just trying to present themselves so you see them in a certain way so they can get external acknowledgement to feel good about themselves because daddy saw me and I'm doing a good boy. Yay to that. Maybe. <laughs> and then the other side of it is 
is the defiant clients. Defiant clients, in my experience, uh, if you share from that perspective of telling a person how it is, well, they're going to flip you the bird. Now, they might not flip you the bird literally, but energetically, parts of them will immediately shut down and flip you the bird internally. Or they'll flip you the bird literally. <laughs> so when you look at this from like a, a Jung and an Osho perspective, which I like both of those, um, Jung said when I'm in a when I'm in a counseling session with a client, even if I know exactly what they need to hear, I will not offer it. What I will do is think of the question to ask so they can find their own way out. Nice. Because that's so much more powerful. Yes, that's wonderful. I love that. And Osho says something very similar, which is um, before you go into any coaching session or counseling session, forget everything that you know. Because as soon as you go in with knowing, it's done. Right. Because you already have all your stories, agenda, projections of where they should go, where they should end up. So for me, this is like, this is an invitation process of inviting people to recognize that there is no guru outside of them. There is, it's all inside of them. And if you can ask the right questions or model what it looks like for you, they can start to kind of fandangle that into their own experience and words. And as they're giving word and voice out loud, then they can hear that. They can hear themselves. And that lands so much deeper, at least for me. Yeah. So yeah, they see see that it within themselves. They see the guru within themselves, basically. So, so they, yeah. They hearing it. It's like, yeah, that came out of me. I, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the beauty of that is the second point that you're bringing up is another thing that uh, I personally, uh, per personally love to help people with is to help them grow out of their self-helplessness that they've learned through their mm -hmm. lifetime. Yeah. And that yeah. what they've actually are doing while they're talking to you is asking permission from themselves through you. And so then when mm -hmm. you can say to them, you don't need to ask permission. You already have mm -hmm. your answers within yourself about the questions you need. It's whether or not you're mm -hmm. paying attention to how you're asking the question. Because the question itself mm -hmm. already leads you down to that answer. You know, should I yeah. do this? Should I do mm -hmm. that? Because it's already just that part of taking the should out and seeing, looking like you, you already know. And, and so that, that is a honoring system that I, I love mm -hmm. to help other people with. And you just plainly gave a great example. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for hearing what you heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to throw a wrench in my own freaking monkey jar or whatever that is, to flip this all on its head, um, there are times, too, where, let's say, for me, a client gets confused, lost, or can't find any navigation. Uh, the sails are down and uh, they're off the wheel. I think that's called a loom. Whatever they steer. Rudder? Rudder? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're off this. this <laughs> I just um, joined the women's sailing group. I, that's so weird that you mentioned <laughs> um, 
beautiful, a beautiful thing that I've learned in my experience of, of other coaches and me personally being coached. And something that I will offer to clients at times is, um, do you need help? Do you need an outside perspective? And then if they say yes, my metaphor for that is I kind of like monster movies and superheroes. It's like it's like inviting a vampire. A vampire can't come into your house unless you invite him in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like if you ask a client, you need help. But it's at that point where you've allowed enough space for them to get to this place where they're feeling stuck. And if you ask you need help, then that's them opening the door for help. That's not you pushing your agenda into hell. And the energy there for me is very, very different. And it's not I'm getting, I'm not offering this because I know. It's, hey, here's what I see. Here's my perspective. Something for you to consider. And then that usually sparks for me. Uh, they go into consideration of, oh, man, I never, I didn't think about it that way. And wow, no, I actually don't fully agree with what you're saying. However, this comes up for me, and, and this is how I would do it. And then they're still finding their own answer. Yeah, what that sounds like to me is an invitation for them to, uh, for their own opinion as well as yours, mm -hmm. to kind of come together on that and to yeah. consider both. For sure. Possibly, yeah. And so as I would visualize it as a, you're walking with them, which then leads mm -hmm. me to the uh, knowing of how much my opinion of what I see of you is that you love the seeker. And I'm wondering, because you talked about how much you kind of feeling that you're satisfied, have you become mm -hmm. the finder? Have you become the finder of the seeker? Ooh. No, yeah. if, if, you, if you need clarity, I'll help. What you're doing yeah. is seeking all the time, right? Because you're the seeker. You're kind of looking for something. But when you take mm -hmm. a perspective of the opposite and become the finder, you're still mm -hmm. the seeker, but you found stuff that's coming within, within mm -hmm. yourself. So does that help clarify what that means in terms of yeah, becoming yeah. the finder? Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think it does. Um, uh, for me, what comes up, is that um, uh, an image of a little kid um, in the playground uh, with the sun out chasing his own shadow mm. represents the seeker for me. <laughs> Try chasing your shadow. It's pretty, pretty hard to do. Um, <laughs> um, and the finder for me then, I guess, would represent uh, the kid standing in one place and observing a shadow rather than chasing it. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I like that too. Because you're still playing. Yeah. yeah. And I can stop and just, ooh, <laughs> chasing it all the time. Yeah, one <laughs> takes a lot more energy. energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see you. I yeah. see you. That's well, I can great. see where um, you're, uh, your ability to, um, and, and I know this is ta me talking about myself, so let's like take that uh, off the table right now. Um, I really enjoy having these conversations with you because it's a uh, reminder of how much 
your growth has accelerated, in my opinion, to from where you say you were to where you are now. And it, it, it's not an achievement thing, but it's a it's a well-rounded uh, full ball of fun. Like in just in terms of life, you know, we want to really have fun, you know. So thank you. I really do appreciate that. Yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate your reflection. Thank you. So we, uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Jator. Um, do you want to add anything to the conversation? Uh, no. Um, I have a Facebook page. Uh, I have a website you guys have. Um, I do those bi-monthly coaching calls, which um, are super fun and a, and a great extra stream of income. How do people um, sign up for those? Um. I guess contact me on Facebook. So Jator Pierre is my Facebook name or my real name. And uh, <laughs> friend me and say, I want to be part of that, that club. And then we'll uh, connect over that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really appreciative of being invited on. Um, I'm, I'm super humbled and honored to, to uh, connect with both of you. I have, a lot of respect for both of you and how I experience both of you as uh, human beings on the planet and how I experience you in, in, in person as well as, you know, in, in other ways that we have. And, um, yeah, I'm just really honored to be on and, and be able to, to have a conversation because for me, the needy little boy in me, like this is, um, this type of conversation is, 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 is what, I, what my heart needs. And um, mm. I don't think that there's anything more important to the needy parts of me than, than this type of conversation, this type of connection. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. And yeah. we, we welcome you to our now integrated uh, family uh, community. So we would uh, it's awesome. the integrated yourself community that we, and you can check it out on Facebook. Um, we uh, yeah. are hoping to have more of these discussions, whether or not on uh, Skype, but maybe um, people contributing more of their stories, what's going on with them. And uh, so uh, please join us when you can. I, I will. Can you send me the info, information for that? Let's Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Thanks, Chatur. Cool. Uh, thank, right, thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.